Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby. Welcome to it. Good morning and happy hump day to you. It is the Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet, as well, of course, as Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. It's uh, it's a trifecta. The trifecta of broadcast streaming social media platforms. Hello and good morning. How are you this fine, fine morning? Uh, a balmy, what is it, 27 degrees or something here? No, it says it's only 14, but it feels warmer. It feels a lot warmer than that. Uh, welcome to it. Hour two of the big uh, radio broadcast, hour one of the big radio broadcast. We are ready to jump in with it and to uh, get things going. It is hump day, which means a couple things. First and foremost, today we are going to be doing the shower hour of power. That's an hour two. State Senator Mike Shower comes in for the full hour to talk with us about uh, whatever. Uh, whatever we want to talk about, uh, I'm sure we're going to continue to discuss some of the things that are happening, including the big push, the non, the non-ceasing, the endless push for a reinstatement of the defined benefits program here in the state of Alaska, regardless of the costs, regardless of what it costs to get it done. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning in the headlines, but uh, that I'm sure is going to be one of the key questions. That we discussed with State Senator Mike Schauer uh, here uh, in hour two as we kick things off with him. And uh, then we're going to, uh, I don't know, we'll just kind of, we'll see, we'll see how the thing will, we'll let the conversation flow. The spice must flow. Um, all right, uh, that's hour two. I'm getting ahead of myself, which is fine. Uh, in hour, um, in hour two of the uh, hour one of the big, I'm so confused as to where I am in the show already today. In hour one this morning here in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Art Mathias, who is with Alaskans for Honest Elections. They've got, uh, they're, they're starting to ramp things up now in their uh, attempt to repeal the ranked choice voting here in the state of Alaska. And we're going to be talking with him here in just a few moments, they've got a big event happening tomorrow, and we're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of it. It's all going to be going on over there, so it's 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 going to be good. Um, all right, so that's um, that's the that's the guest lineup on the show today. Art Matthias, followed by State Senator Mike Shower. and uh, but before we get into any of that, we've got some headlines and things to discuss. 
and we'll see what uh, is going on. Somebody just asked me, is that a sprinkle donut on your shirt? Yes, it is. It is the official shirt of our friends over there at King's Donuts in Wasilla, the official donut shop of the Michael Duke Show. Uh, stop by and see them in their new location, King's Donuts, right there on the corner of, uh, of the uh, Palmer Wasilla Highway and the Parks Highway right there across from Fred Myers. Uh, they've got uh, they got their new location, handy dandy, and uh, they make them some good donuts. That's over there. Mmm, yummy. Um, I could really use a donut now. Dang it. Um, all right, so uh, headlines and discussions today. Uh, what's happening? What's going on around the state of Alaska? What are we facing? What are we talking about? Um, you know, it's kind of more the same, um, which is, uh, I mean, I would love to report to you that suddenly overnight, everyone came to their senses and said, damn, we're spending way too much money, way too much money in what's going on. And, uh, and but it, that's just not, unfortunately, that's not what's happening. Nobody is coming to their senses. They are all continuing to go, we need so much more money to be able to do the programs that we really want to do. Just give us the more money, more money, more money. That's what they want to do. I'm just saying. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, no, there is no super, you know, uh, epiphany type moment for people. Um, that's, that just didn't happen. So we're going to go through all that. And, well, so I guess first and foremost, I should hit all the, is it the, uh, the, the news in the Kenai for the Kenai Peninsula Borough special mayoral race. It's, uh. Well, it's news. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but uh, I mean, I know how I feel about it, but I don't live there. So according to the unofficial results posted last night at the KPB's elections page website, State Senator Peter Machicki now leads all of his fellow candidates. Um, I mean, he pretty much he's pretty much got more vote. He's got he's got that guy's got more votes than anybody. He's got more votes than all the other candidates put together. Uh, he's leading right now with 1,932 votes. 1,932 votes. Uh, Zachary Hamilton got 180. Linda Farns, uh, Linda Hutchings Farnsworth uh, got um, uh, 751. David Carey uh, got 405. And then there was an additional 549 votes that uh, have yet to be counted. So there we go. That's that's what it's looking like. Is that uh, that's where they're going to uh, that's where they're going to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's kind of it's. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it, the people have spoken. I guess that's what I should say. Um, the people have spoken, um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the I saw somebody make a comment in the chat room that the going over the numbers. This is from Gail down on the peninsula. Going over the numbers, the high voter turnout 
for the borough, apparently for the whole borough, was Nikiski at 13.22%. That was the high voter turnout. Now we know, look, it's a special election, right? Special elections don't very don't you know often don't do very well. That's just how it is. But um 13% for a decision on who is going to lead the the, the borough moving forward. Now, <clears throat> the elected candidate, uh, which, again, the presumptive candidate uh, winner right now is Senator, uh, former Senator Peter Machicki, will hold the title of KPB mayor until the end of former mayor Charlie Pierce's term that concludes in October. And then all of the candidates who ran for election today said uh, before the uh, yesterday, Tuesday, Election Day, they would be interested in running for mayor beyond that, according to KTUU. So that means there you go. Peter Machicki, 1930, 59% of the vote. That's pretty much a landslide in a four-way race, plus the write-in. Uh, there was more one, uh, one more write-in, uh, and that was uh, Rob Wall, Robert Wall. So, I mean, okay. Um, sorry, guys. I mean, that's just that's just what it looks like down there. We'll, you know, we'll see what happened. Um, and yes, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are missing Charlie Pierce, uh, right now, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I will reserve my judgment on the whole thing until we get a little bit further on down the road. How about that? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to prejudge or predispose myself to expect, uh, something that's not coming. Um, second thing that came out was a report, um, was a report from the, uh, uh, that was confirmed by Senator Dan Sullivan, uh, according to the sun, which is a newspaper over there in England, the UK, uh, they released footage of, uh, released by the Kremlin that shows two Russian TU-95 MS missile bombers flying close to Alaska along the Bering Sea uh, near U.S. airspace. Uh, And Senator Sullivan um, uh, came out of a military briefing that was talking about all the unknown stuff that's being shot down all over the place. And he mentioned the presence of those Russian bombers close to Alaska and confirmed that it was Alaskan air warriors who went out there and escorted uh, those uh, bombers out and away. Incidentally, one of the more interesting points of this is the increase in the number of intercepts. Um, Some people are speculating that the Russians are saber-rattling along the airspace here in Alaska, and then it's related to the increase of uh, America supporting Ukraine through, you know, U.S. military hardware and donations and stuff like that. They have indeed increased their patrols near Alaska airspace. Uh, the Air Force stationed in Alaska um, intercepted uh, just 10 uh, aircraft, just 10. There was just 10 incidents of intercepts in 2015. Uh, so whatever that was, five plus three is eight, eight years ago. Uh, 20, uh, 2015, they intercepted just 10 aircraft. In 2020, this is before Ukraine, that number of intercepts had risen to 60 intercepts in 2020. So, I mean, pretty much every week or more, they're out there intercepting Russian aircraft 
uh, nudging up to uh, Alaskan and American airspace. Uh, a lot of this is due to uh, pressure again from the Ukrainian side. Plus, the Chinese, of course, in the South China Sea have probably been encouraging Russia to do so to keep pressure on us so that they can continue to stake out their claims in the South China Sea. There's a lot of international politics that are going on with this, but it's very interesting since it's right here in our own backyard. But every week, the Air Force is out there shooing away those pesky Russian missile bombers. <laughs> I mean, not to not to try and help you sleep at night or anything, but that's where it is. Uh, and then finally, a quick hit on this. Alaska Governor Dunleavy has ordered a review of state jobs and basically has said that um, they should that a four-year degree is no longer required in many of those jobs. Administrative Order 343 uh, was put forward by the governor yesterday, and uh, he said it would open up the potential field of candidates for state jobs by looking more closely at practical experience instead of holding all job requirements to a blanket four-year degree requirement. Um, this is kind of interesting in a couple different ways. First and foremost, because they keep talking about this shortage of government employee. There's just a shortage. Now, I mean, the, the paper barely mentions at any point or any of the news outlets barely mention that there is a massive labor shortage across the country. Um, but Dunleavy said the change was made to address Alaska's labor shortage, which has been pronounced in state government, falling from a peak of 2,600, 500 employees in December of 2014 to roughly 22,400 in December of 2020, um, which is, a, I mean, that's a huge jump down for sure. Um, but then the ADN gets a little bit more into the numbers, and I don't have a whole lot of time to go over this. I've got Art Mathias who's coming on here in just a second. But I will just say that this is something that we should probably talk a little bit more about. 17% of state-funded government positions were vacant in December. Remember about we talked about all these positions that were funded but not filled, funded but not filled. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be hiring some people in the public defender's office and maybe in the, the uh, you know, the benefits office for health and social services or whatever. I'm not saying that. But when you realize that 17 percent of government positions were vacant and the world hasn't exploded. I mean, we haven't, you know, fallen. And you realize that that is thirty eight hundred unfunded positions 17 percent is 3800 positions and let's just say each one of those is i mean i don't know 80 90 100 bucks a year with salaries and benefits oh that's a big number that's a big big number and again, we haven't fallen. I mean, the, the earth hasn't slid off its axis. You know, it hasn't been the zombie apocalypse. There's not dogs and cats living together in mass hysteria. Maybe we should look at, you know, binding that down a little bit and making some more efficiencies. Again, maybe putting a few more people in the public defender's office or doing some of those other things. But, I mean, that's a lot of positions, 3,800 positions. But I guess we're going to have to talk about this later. All right, uh, we got more coming up. Art Mathias is up next. Alaskans for Honest Elections. Going to talk about their uh, attempt to repeal ranked choice voting. And we will have more discussions on this in just a moment. It is The Michael Duke Show 
Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, we return with more and Art Mathias right after these messages. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. <laughs> we're in the break and we're going to be continuing. We're going to talk with Art Matthias here in just a few minutes. And uh, I realized I misspelled his name in the description of the video this morning because... I had it right the first time, and then I went online, and then I said, well, this is, you know, this must be right, so let me, uh, anyway, so I got to go through here real quick and make sure that I spell his name right, because that's just wrong. All right, there we go. It's too many, one too few T's. Um... Oh, man, 3,800, 3,800 vacancies, and the state hasn't plunged itself into the dark ages. You know, how about we, you know, how about we just fill a 1,000 of those positions and take the remaining 2,800 and cut that stuff out of the budget? How about that? How about we just take and fill a 1,000 positions, leave them funded, go out there, hire the people that needs to get done, and take the remaining 2,800 and just... How about that? Cash me outside. How about that? Hmm? I mean, that would make sense to me, but uh, I mean, all all of these ghost positions that we're talking about is just insane. But that's that's how it works. Uh, all right. What uh, what else we got here? Um, I'm just going over here to make sure that I got everything that I need here to get uh, everything squared away. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do. So, how are you doing this morning? I mean, it's hump day. It's been a. I mean, it's already been an entire week for me. Feels like anyway. Um, but where are we, uh, where are we, where are we going on this? What, uh, what was your, your week been like so far? Are you ready for it to be Friday? Are you ready? Are you ready for, ready, ready for it to be Friday? I sure am. I certainly am, uh, ready for it to be Friday already. I'm already, already, um, honest, uh, like there we go. Um, Okay, so um, I'm just making sure I got the right links here for our guest here this morning on the program as we get things going on. AlaskansForHonestElections.com. That's where we need to go here. Um, what did somebody just say? Ready? Oh, ready for it to be summer, says Deborah. You know, um, 
Uh, it's not about making government more functional. The goal is to grow the Alaska legislature. In other words, increase the size of the noble class. The nouveau riche nobility is the thing. There we go. I see Art is popping into the uh, green room right now. We should be ready to go. Let's uh, go over there and test things out with him because we only got about a minute or so before we have to rejoin the radio. We'll pull this back right here and we'll say, good morning, Art. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. I'm great. How are you? You know, it's just another beautiful day in paradise, my friend. Just another beautiful day. Um, yes, it is. Uh, you all ready to uh, you all ready to dive into this and uh, get things ready to go? I am ready. Okay. Well, good. Um, let me uh, let me let me uh, edit something here for you. How about this? Uh, what's the? Whoops. Let me go over here. I got way too way too many windows open this morning. It's like one of those days where everything is. Uh, do that right there. And 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 thing and look at that I can now boom, Dave's got or Art's got uh, he's got the website right underneath his name. All right, so Alaskans for um, honestelections.com. Okay, I'm ready to go. All right, so we're about to. Uh, about to get ready to do it. Here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Let's uh, let's do this thing. Here we go. Yep. All right, uh, continuing on today for our Wednesday edition of the program, we're talking about ranked choice voting. Um, and, of course, you know if you've been listening to this show, our feelings on, first of all, how it was sold to us as Alaskans, second of all, the re the reality of how it went down and what it's done to affect uh, how we're governing the state. And uh, you've probably heard about Alaskans for Honest Elections, which is an organization that is dedicating itself to the repeal of ranked choice voting. Joining us on the program this morning is Art Mathias, who is coming on board to kind of give us a rundown and an update as to where they're at. We're going to get a, a quick uh, shakedown on what the organization does, what its plans are, and then, uh, of course, they've got some events coming up as well. Starting to build up a head of steam here on the repeal effort for ranked choice voting. So we go over right now uh, with Art Mathias, who joins us uh, to discuss it. Good morning, Art. Morning, Michael. Good to be here. Well, thanks for coming on board and joining us. Art, first things first, for folks who have never heard of Alaskans for Honest Elections uh, and everything else, can you give us a rundown here and uh, tell us what's going on? I mean, what what exactly is Alaskans for Honest Elections? What's your goals? What's your Read us your manifesto, Art. Tell us what's going on there. You bet. Thanks, Mike. We started this organization uh, in, in November for the specific purpose of filing an initiative with the state of Alaska to repeal ranked choice voting, which was used to be called ballot measure two. Our, uh, so we filed all the paperwork with the Division of Elections, Lieutenant Governor, November 23rd. We presented a bill uh, to repeal ranked choice, uh, all the proper signatures, 
And then the Division of Elections approved our initiative January 23rd. Since then, now we are in the process of gathering the, the signatures. We need 26,705 to qualify to put this on the ballot in 24 to repeal right choice voting. Uh, our bill takes, uh, removes the jungle primary, removes the ranked choice voting system, all those uh, multiple dots we have to put on that ballot to pick out four candidates, three of whom we don't want. Uh, it does not, it, it leaves the restrictions in that whatever they are for uh, dark money, we hate dark money. Uh, so we should have our, we're starting a fundraising drive tomorrow night uh, here in Anchorage, starting the process of raising 60, 70,000 signatures over the next three or four months. And that's, of course, going to be the big thing. We know that during the, uh, we know that during the election cycle, when ballot measure two was on the ballot, that there was a ton of dark money that flowed into the state uh, to try and uh, and to try and uh, you know cajole Alaskans into doing it, and they were paying uh, upwards of something like uh, four thousand dollars a month to signature gatherers to collect yes. eighty signatures a day. I mean, they were spending big money, plus another what it was millions of dollars to be spent on advertising. And it you know this is the thing. I work in radio, so I see these things fly across my desk as I work with radio stations and everything else. And I saw all the all the all the scripts and the ads and the traffic that was going across my desk for this and what was ex interesting to me was that about 90% of all the commercials that went out onto the airwaves in the well in the Anchorage area anyway was uh was all about how this this ballot initiative was there to repeal dark money right i mean yeah. that was what it was at. and there was like one commercial that talked specifically about the rank choice voting component of it everything else was it was dark money and yet the irony of the whole situation is the dark money restrictions do not apply to ballot initiatives they don't apply to right. you know questions they don't apply right. to certain other races national races and everything else and it's they don't not apply to unions they don't apply to nonprofits right a million loopholes in it. Exactly. I mean, it is full. It's like a piece of Jarlsberg. It's full of holes. Everywhere. And they used them all. Yeah, and they used them all. Seven million dollars worth. Yeah, and of course that was all dark money from outside. And in fact, Absolutely. one of the uh, leftist financiers who helped fund the project was quoted as saying uh, at a dinner party uh, that they have audio of, of her saying, Alaska is a cheap date. We should just be able to do whatever we want kind of thing with it, which just infuriates me. Yes. These companies, there's the uh, Unite America out of Denver, Institute for Political Innovation, Arnold Venture Fund out of Texas, Resource uh, RCV Resource Center out of North Carolina. It's all these outside groups up here trying to buy our elections and trying to put their own people in office with this jungle primary and you got 48 people running for Don Young's seat. Nobody knew most of those people and whoever had the most money and the best organization is all from out of state won. And we're tired of losing our, our elections to rich woke companies that want to redefine how we vote 
And these same people are ones that are trying to tell us that men can get pregnant. It's all tied together. Uh, Art Mathias is our guest, Alaskans for Honest Elections. Uh, now, you guys, uh, what I found interesting about your proposal uh, and what you have in front of us right now is that you're not repealing all components. You mentioned that you're leaving whatever dark money provisions they had in there, and that was for local elections. Right. Um, but is there anything else that you're leaving in there? Because you just mentioned, I mean, the the here's the thing, and this is what blew my mind, absolutely blew my mind when the Supreme Court said, oh, no, absolutely, ballot measure number two does not uh, does not get crossways with the single-issue rule for ballot initiatives. Because, I mean, it... It deals with dark money. It deals with the primary. It deals with the general election. It dealt with so many different things. It was 27 pages in the voter uh, pamphlet that was mailed out to all eligible voters trying to describe what laws and parts this thing's changed. 27 pages of changes, many of which referenced, you know, statutes. You had to have a statute book to be able to read and understand what was going on with it. Um, So what is exactly what exactly are you guys leaving in? Uh, you know, in your idea and why? Why are you leaving it in? What measures are you not attempting to change? The only thing we're leaving in in ballot measure two in that 27 pages is the, the dark money reporting requirements, as bad or good as they may be. We didn't change that because we didn't think we could politically, it was a political decision. If we took the dark money restrictions out, then they would label us as loving dark money, which we don't. We hate it. We'd like to see it all gone. But it's impossible to take it all out because the Supreme Court says it's a a free speech uh, consideration. Because of free speech, we have to allow dark money in Alaska, which I strongly disagree with. But we need to get smarter and learn all the loopholes and use them, which we have done. We are using every one of the loopholes and dark money provisions to our benefit. We have nonprofits. Uh, we have an outside of Alaska fundraising organization called Alaskans for Honest Government. Uh, Governor Palin is the national spokesman. She's in with President Trump yesterday presenting our case to raise, help him, have him help us raise money. We're going to need $15 million to offset what these rich corporations are doing and their puppets they have hired here in Alaska. Us Alaskans got to come together and wake up and realize that freedom isn't free. We got to step up to the plate. I got a guy in California right now who's written us a $250,000 check, and he's willing to write $250 more if I can get $250 out of Alaskans. He'll match it. So we need to step up and and decide we got to right. pay for this. It's going to cost money. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Again, they spent seven million dollars getting ballot measure two passed. uh, And now they're holding it up as the look at what we've done in Alaska. It's such a great deal. All the other states should follow suit. And so you understand that as we fight against this, it's going to cost. I mean, because they're going to be willing to spend at least another seven million to try and defend it. They Um, spent a million in the last six weeks, Michael, and all their they must have killed 100 trees for all the print ads they put out. Right. It's crazy what they're doing, trying to tell us another lie. They lied to us before. They're lying to us again right now. Yeah, exactly. So Their t- polls are garbage. They only got 200 or 800 people in their polls. You can make a poll do anything you want. We've got 6,000 volunteers that have signed up in the last two months. And uh, we're running at, we've got over 700,000 hits 
views on our internet ads. That's our poll. Right. Alaskans are just fed up. Right. Well, and again, that's the thing. That's the, and I think that's the thing that people don't understand that there may be a lot of angry and pissed off people out there who are willing to throw their hat in the ring, you know, give time, give money, uh, do what needs to be done. But this is going to be a long and protracted slog. And it's going to be, it's going to cost a lot of money because they do not want this repealed. They saw it. And of course, we've got the pressure of people like, you know, Murkowski's office, you know, them saying, well, we actually put this in place to help Senator Murkowski, which, of course, they did, and it did help her. Um, and yeah, so, she get elected without it. Yeah, exactly. And so, there is a whole bunch of stuff in there that we need to really knuckle down on and take a look at. Art Matthias is our guest. It's Alaskans for Honest Elections. You can find them at alaskansforhonestelections.com. We're gonna get up. Uh, we're gonna get up and continue on this here in just a moment. Art, hold the line. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based. Free Thinking Radio. We're going to talk about their event coming up tomorrow. And uh, we'll get some more details from Art as to the process, how this process works, and where we go from here. We'll be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're uh, in the middle of this with Art Mathias, uh, honest Alaskans for Honest Elections. We are uh, in the break right now. Let me go back and see if there's any comments in the uh, chat room to talk about uh, any of these questions or any questions you may have for Art. <laughs> Somebody said... What does it mean? Try. They did buy our elections, and it's—he's not wrong. He's—they're not, not wrong. They are succeeding. They're trying and succeeding at buying our elections. We can see that. I mean, again, just the Murkowski race alone was enough to see what's, uh, you know, what's going the, on. The House race is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same uh, thing. Well, and I will say the House race in part. Uh, some of that was self-inflicted just based on what the candidates were doing back and forth. But, um, yeah, I think a big part of it was that was how Peltola was able to sneak in there, of course, was the, because of the rank choice. And if they hadn't, if the candidates had had to face off in a, a primary ahead of time, uh, we would have a Republican in the House now instead of Mary Peltola. So that's a whole different deal. And in but, the Senate also. Yeah, and in the Senate as well. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, let's see. What else? Um you gave out the poll number earlier. What were the poll numbers uh, that 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 came out? Uh, interestingly enough, because I keep hearing about this. Whoa, the Alaskan polls, and it's like ice cream. And the ads I find are so irritating from the uh, better elections folks because they treat us like we're well, they treat stupid. us like they're well, like, like we're stupid. I mean, it's it's kids. Yeah, it's kids sending stupid ads. Yeah, it's, I hope they keep running them. Yeah, the truth. It, yeah, because the ad for those of you who haven't heard it, I'm sure you have, but the ads are kids choosing ice cream flavors, and it's this whole tongue in cheek of, oh, see, it's so easy, even children can do it. You morons! Why wouldn't have you be able to do it? Have you seen our counter to that? I have not. I have not seen. We it. have a we have a counter to that. That's a that's an animation. And we've got a uh, 
ice cream truck guy selling ice cream and we got four kids out front trying to buy it and they're giving their orders. They want chocolate. They want uh, vanilla or they want some flavor. And then the guy goes in the cellar there and the truck goes into the narration. Well, hey, you know, hey, we've had such a change. We, we've had these new rules come in. And I'm just sad to tell you, you can't get what you want. You're all going to get pistachio. And the kids start crying. Right. That, that's had over 300,000 views on the, on the Internet. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's very frustrating to watch. Uh, and, of course, the one thing we haven't even hit on this morning, which I suppose we should revisit when we get back, is the fact uh, of the uh, the turnout. I think that the voter turnout shows the level of dissatisfaction and frustration that people are feeling. With I've got some new stats list. on that to share, too, when we're online. Oh, OK, good. Well, when we come back to the radio, we will uh, we'll knock hard on that and we'll get things uh, started on that. Um, yeah, it was the lowest Alaska voter turnout in three decades since Hawk. I think it was even more, but I think it was the, ever. Lowest yeah, ever. ever since they started tracking it. So yeah, that's it's, correct. it's definitely going to have an effect on this art. What got you involved in this here? we got a couple of minutes before we jump back in. So let's get a little bit behind the scenes. What, what, uh, what prompted you to get involved with Alaskans for honest elections and get the ball rolling and do all that kind of stuff? What was the. What was your, uh, 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 you know, impetus? I've been in Alaska 40 years. I, I've just went through the, the most nasty election we've ever had, the primary that never would quit. I just, me and, and Philip Bison just decided to do something. So we, we formed a pack. We got involved in the last part of the uh, in October, November timeframe. We had over uh, 2 million views to the ads we ran. Over 10,000 people went to our website. They said, hey, we can do something. We're just people, just ordinary people. We can do something. And so then we, we saw the October or the August election, saw the November election. Knew, we knew it was going to be a repeat. So we just got busy and wrote a bill. It wasn't hard to do. It wasn't, it wasn't hard to do. It wasn't hard to write it. The challenge is getting it you know, put forward, put together, pass through, jump through yeah. all the hoops to do that kind of stuff. And again, you're going to have a judiciary who's not necessarily going to be um, on your side, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of what we're yeah, seeing we, right now. That's how it works. Our, our bill is basically the same thing as House Bill uh, 1 that uh, George Rasher, Representative Rasher has put in. They're almost identical. And both of these bills have, have been a, gone through the Department of Law, they are constitutional. So, and they meet all of the the Supreme Court decisions, all that stuff about one or three issues that meets their decision. So there's nothing the Supreme Court can say, but we fully expect to be sued by the uh, so-called better elections outfits because that's what they do. They sue when they right. don't have answers. Well, it's, I mean, come on. You got Scooter Kendall as the head of this this outfit. That yeah, guy, did, he, he never. He's going to sue us. You yeah. watch. He's going to sue us. So <laughs> this is who he, this is who the left is. They, they In their judicial activism, they want to discourage people, just like they've sued Eastman and others. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's lawfare. That's what's going on is what we call yeah. lawfare these days. All right, hold the line, uh, Art. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
All right, we're continuing now with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Art Mathias from Alaskans for Honest Elections. And we're talking about uh, ranked choice voting and the repeal of uh, ranked choice voting. And uh, we're going to see what uh, what, the, what they have to say right now. Uh, Art, one of the things that we didn't talk about uh, before we went to break was uh, kind of the reaction. I think partial reaction to ranked choice voting was people basically throwing their hands up in the air and saying, well, I don't, you know, either it was too complicated or they just felt like whatever I do, my vote's not going to count anyway. And that led to the lowest voter turnout in state history on a per capita basis, the lowest voter turnout in history since they've started tracking it. And you said you've actually got some more stats on this. So hit me with it. uh, when you break this down, I was talking to Randy Ruderick a couple of days ago, and when he breaks it down, he finds that whether it's Democrats, Republicans, nonpartisans, independents, whatever they are, it was right at a 20 percent uh, decrease in the number of voters across the board. Everybody, whether they were super voters or occasional voters, everybody, every, every demographic was down 20 percent. So the next question is why? Well, people are sick of the lying, cheating, cancel culture that is just destroying our elections. Everything that went on in the House race with people beating up on each other forever, the outside people coming in and beating up on one candidate, we were sick of it. And then the ranked choice was so complicated. And ranked choice caused the, the animosity to be worse than ever. So, and... You talk to people, person after person, they go into the to do their ballot, and if they don't line up every little dot just right, their ballot's kicked out. Right. We had over 17,000 uh, voters with their vote uh, disqualified or extinguished or... Uh, exhausted, right, yeah. Exhausted, that's the word they used, or overvoted. They have all these terms. you got to figure out what they mean. 17,000 people didn't get their vote counted. That's part of the reason the, the election was so small. Uh, people are just discouraged with this whole animosity and it, will my vote even count? Well, f- well let me suggest something. Who are those 17,000? Right. How do you know your vote got counted or not? Right. How, how, yeah, you have any sure. Look, we had Dr. Fred Van Bennekom from the Great Books Institute on to talk about ranked choice voting before it was yeah. implemented, after it was voted in, but before it was implemented. And he said, historically, ranked choice voting disproportionately disenfranchises minorities, the elderly, and many other. He warned against that. He said, this is yes. what this is what it's shown across the country. This is what the statistics show. This is what it is. And when it came to, uh, uh, but when it came to the the here in the state of Alaska, we saw that saw that fall right into place. I mean, there were rural communities that had approaching what 18 percent of the ballots rejected uh, yes. in the rural communities, and and that's and just it's that's insanity. Well, it's even worse in Alaska because what thirty percent or forty percent of our population are speak uh, English as their second or third language. And if this is so complicated, us, us native English speakers are having trouble with it. How would somebody that cannot read English well because it's their second and third language? They're plenty smart. It's, it disenfranchises thousands and thousands of people. There's over 100 languages spoken in English, Anchorage alone. We're the most diverse city in the world. So we disenfranch, disenfranchise at a far greater level. 
Um, would you please walk me through what is the process here <clears throat> for the uh, for the repeal of it? I mean, okay. it, it starts um, it starts with uh, uh, it starts with, of course, writing the bill or writing the, yeah. the proposition, the ballot measure, which you guys have done. And then yeah. it moves on from there to signatures. Just walk me through what what this whole thing entails. All right. There's 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 an initiative. There's lots of things that are called initiatives. And we can get get the initiative to get out of bed in the morning, but uh, or to take charge of something. But that's not a ballot initiative. We are the only group that has a ballot initiative. That means we've we've wrote the bill. We have gathered uh, three people to do the initial uh, application, and we gathered over a, a minimum of a hundred signatures on for the application that we submit to the, the uh, Lieutenant Governor's office. We did that November 23rd. Then they have 60 days of statutory time to make sure the bill is constitutional, that we submitted the right number of signatures, that everything was in the proper legal form. That's why the, it has to be in a bill form, just like the legislature would do it. And they approved ours on January 23rd. So then they printed our ballots. They took them three weeks to print our ballots. We got all the ballot signature booklets now. And uh, so now we start gathering the signatures. We have to have signatures, uh, a minimum of 26,705 signatures, 10% uh, more than the voted in the last election. And we have to get uh, uh, people from every house district uh, there's 40 house districts. We have to have 7% in from at least 35 house districts and 10% overall. Right. So that's the process we're at right now. And tomorrow night's our big kickoff. Here in Anchorage, we're having a, a large kickoff. We're expecting three, 400 people to show up at 2511 Century Drive in South Anchorage tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We'll have many speakers there, Governor Palin, uh, Craig Campbell, Lauren Lehman, Jerry Ward, and others uh, sharing their experiences with this. Uh, and we will be handing out petition booklets to those that want to gather signatures. We, um, we will be signing tomorrow night. We have over 250 people signed up on our website to take our signature books all over the state. We're having a huge outpouring. Right. People want to get involved. It's amazing. We've signed up over 6,000 volunteers in the last two months. Well, and again, People, one of the most interesting, you know, parts of this and one of the most challenging parts is that you don't just have to have, you know, 10% of the people who voted in the last election. You just don't have to have that number of signatures. It specifically has to come from a majority of the House districts, meaning you have to travel all over the state, the, book, over the, the state. booklets have to go everywhere, and you've got to have 7% from the majority, 35 out of 40 of the House districts. Right. And so it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a massive undertaking. And you're, yes, we have, the last group uh, hired a Texas company and spent over $300,000 gathering those. We have over 250 Alaskans signed up today, and that's that number is growing every day. And we've got people from every House district now signed up together. Right. Uh, so we're doing this is Alaskans. We're tired of all this outside money coming in and dictating to us. 
300 grand came in from outside to hire a Texas company to gather signatures. Why? Right. We don't. It's time for us Alaskans to step up. But as and you, they, but as you, we, point, but as you pointed out, we're also going to have to fight fire with fire, meaning we're going to have to get down in the trenches and do some of that. I mean, take some money from outside to help defend what's going on. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's the irony well, of it, I guess, is that we're going well, to have to get millions of dollars from outside help to try and counteract what's going on from these groups. I mean, that that I'd really like to challenge people on the money issue. Freedom isn't free, and I'm putting in. 15 hours a day for months and months and them. And I've put a hundred thousand of my own money into this. So I'm challenging everybody listening out there, put everything you can in our freedom, our state and our country is at stake. Ranked choice will allow the other side to elect everybody. We will never elect anybody else again. So put your money where your mouth is like I have. Please. I know there's a lot of people out there who would love to sign these booklets. Uh, they're now out in the wild. Um, there, is there a place, a specific place that people can go to if they can't make the, the shindig tomorrow night? Is there a place that people can go to sign yes. the booklet? Where, where can people go, just average Joes go from around the state? Where can they go if all they can do is sign? Where do they go to get it done? You can come tomorrow night at uh, 2511 Century Drive. We're actually starting the drive tomorrow night. We'll start handling booklets out. If you go to our website, you can sign up to get a book yourself. If you want to gather signatures uh, on our website, we have events scheduled in the Valley, three of them in Fairbanks, Homer, Kenai, uh, Juneau. Uh, there's events scheduled in Ketchikan. These are all listed on our website. And there's going to be three or 400 people with books traveling around the country they're going to be on street corners but if you want to be sure call us at contact us at uh, alaskansforhonestelections.com and we'll get you a book we'll hook you up with somebody that you can get a signature you can sign if you uh, if all you did was get a booklet and get 10 people to sign it you're i mean that's you know you're you're far ahead further than anything else you don't even have to worry about it just get a booklet and get out there uh, and get it done. We're down to the last two minutes here, Art. Again, so your event is tomorrow night in Anchorage, South Anchorage, 2511 Century Drive. Time, uh, it's going to be when? 7 o'clock. It'll last about an hour and a half. Uh, we're at the corner of Lake Otis and Century, just south of Abbott, just north of O'Malley. Okay. 2511 Century Drive tomorrow night, 7 p.m. in South Anchorage, Alaskans for Better Elections, fundraiser, booklet distribution, uh, getting yeah. things out there. This is really the big kickoff that will give folks a chance to uh, participate in a big way. This is where you can sign the actual ballot measure petition to put this on the ballot. Love to see you tomorrow night. Um, at the Alaska School of Government, at the School of Government in Wasilla on Monday, people were screaming to sign the booklet. And Karen, yes. and Karen says March first at six p.m. The Interior Patriots are hosting Alaskans for Honest Elections at the Roundup Steakhouse in Fairbanks. And so it'll no. be interesting. Can people get a booklet mailed to them, Art? Yes. Okay. If you're not if you're not around to these things, uh, we, all of them, the people in the villages, southeast. Uh, we will be mailing the booklets to those that have signed up over the weekend. Okay. This coming weekend, those booklets will be mailed to our our uh, petition gatherers all over the state. 
Okay, so go to alaskansforhonestelections.com and get your names in there, and they will send you a booklet directly. You can sign them and get your friends to find them, your family, your coworkers, whoever wants to uh, throw their hat in the ring on this. Art Mathias, alaskansforhonestelections.com. Art, thanks for coming on board and uh, talking with us today. And uh, we hope to see a bunch of folks out tomorrow night. 2511 Century Drive, 7 p.m. South Anchorage. Uh, Thanks, Art. We'll see you later. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us. All right, folks, we are out of time for this hour. Senator Mike Schauer up next. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Yeah, I mean, I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna go well. I don't think they're gonna have a problem, get, or, you know, getting signatures in. I don't think we're gonna have a problem with that at all. At all. At all. Yes. Up next, it is Danger Zone. Uh, we're gonna do that here. Um. All right. We got State Senator Mike Shower. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just amused by I'm amused. Um, we got State Senator Mike Shower gonna be joining us here in just a hot second on the program. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Frank Tomaszewski is gonna be joining us. Also working on getting uh Kathy Tilton on the program. We'll see if we can see if we can make that happen. Make that happen. Uh we're gonna do our best anyway and see if we can get that going on. Um, and, uh, that's it. Then Friday, I don't have any guests lined up for Friday. It could just be kind of a Friday free for all. I love it. I love it a lot. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, kill that right there. And uh, state Senator shower should be joining us here in just a hot minute. I don't know about you, but I am ready for the, uh, I'm ready for winter to be over for it to stop snowing. I mean, dang, 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 the dang, dang. Um, it is. Uh, let me see here. What's going on here? Um, all right. I'm just checking, just checking my messages real quick to see if there's anything important that I needed to miss. Yeah, I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for a whole new uh, for I'm ready for summer already. That's that's where I'm kind of at right now. We got another eight inches of snow here at the old homestead, shoveling it out and getting uh, everything going on here. Um, gonna have to use the phone. No internet for some reason. Um, this uh, okay. All right, so we're gonna have to get Mike Shower. We're gonna have to get Mike Shower on the old-fashioned way, just via telephone. So we're going to let me get that all set up here. Uh, He just texted me and said they're having a problem with their Internet. So we're going to do it the old fashioned way and just do phone calls. That's uh, that's how we roll around here. So um, while we do that, let me 
Let me let me do my thing here. Let me get things all squared away. Hey, look at that. I got it. All right. I already I already had it, in fact. I already had it squared away. So let me <clears throat> let me make some changes here. Let me make some changes to the old deal. All right. Look at that. We're all we're all good. We're all we're all good. Okay, so State Senator Shower going to be joining us here in just a hot second, and we'll be ready to rock and roll with him. Um, re- reset the router, said Brian. Have you reset it? Have you turned it on and turned it off again? I have to say that uh, you know I had problems with the internet here at the studio uh, last week uh, in the middle of the day, not during the show, thank goodness. But arbitrarily, everything just said. Boom. Um, and uh, I called GCI. I was not, I was thinking this is going to be a hot mess. Um, but basically, I was able to get it back on in fairly short order. So I will say congratulations to them for at least figuring that out. Of course, I told them what to do. I just I just said reset the line card because everything's monkeyed up here and I've done everything. She's like, oh, I can see that you've done everything. Uh, yes, I've done everything. Reset. Okay, I've reset the line card. Okay, my internet's back. Thank you. Oh, man, what a day. All right. Um, They had public testimony on the 13th so people could beg for their full PFD, said Karen. They're not going to listen. We had four hours of testimony here last session. Was it three or four hours? And Andy Josephson at the end said, well, you know, you just don't understand the vagaries of government and we need to take that. You just don't understand. So, uh, yeah, no, I just. Anyway, uh, okay, let's uh, check this out. I think we've got State Senator Mike Shower on the line. Let's double check. Hello, my friend. Are you there? I'm here. Look at that. It works. It worked. It can be taught. All right, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump into this here in just a hot second. Um, are you all you all ready? Anything new to report before we jump back in? Anything new that we're gonna be talking about this morning? Anything hot and oh, exciting, I, or is it the same stuff? I, uh, you know, it's always the same kind of general stuff here, but you know, the big one now is going to be like BSA and defined benefits. It's that's lots of that going on now. So, which you know. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like every news story out there. I mean, I don't know if somebody's got the news, the uh, the Anchorage Daily News on speed dial or what, but I mean, there's a big thing. Although I will say that Landfield and the Alaska Landmine had an interesting article breaking down the actual costs. Of rank of uh, not rank choice voting of uh, defined benefits, which I found to be <clears throat> refreshing. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty pretty interesting. So we'll see we'll see what that comes out here. Um, nice. all, right. all right. So uh, Mike Shower, our guest, uh, hold the line for just a second, my friend. We'll be right back to you. Here we are, getting ready to do it. Let's let's go, shall we? The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only uh, the audio only stream and to the social media links and to our uh, podcasts, which are available pretty much everywhere, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, and, of course, my favorite, Spotify. You'll find links to that as well. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on regular old terrestrial radio. That's right. It is the Michael Duke Show. Hour two of this hump day edition of the show, and that means it's time to jump into it with our guest this morning. It is State Senator Mike Shower, who uh, joins us right now via telephone. Oops, wrong one. Uh, because he is, uh, because he's uh, not, he's got no interwebs where he's at. So he joins us this morning to discuss and talk and pontificate. And uh, he joins us uh, right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am here. How are you? You know, uh, just another beautiful day in paradise, sir. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving life. What uh, you're so, very chipper. I very chipper compared last week. You were not as chipper. No, last week it was like Monday on a Wednesday, and I was frazzled and I was tired. And I mean, I you know, I it is what it is, man. Today's a good day. Don't harsh my buzz, man. Don't harsh my buzz. Not harsh. Uh, I'm happy to hear it. I just so <laughs> you're like on fire today. I'm, I'm feeling good. good. Feeling good. All right. Well, let's. Um, Mike, let's let we were just talking during the break there. I asked you a question about, you know, was there anything new happening? Was there anything else going on? And you said, well, no, pretty much the same stuff, which was already, you know, the thing. It, it's all about BSA increase and defined benefits. That seems to be the only thing that anybody wants to talk about anywhere um, in the newspapers, in the political talking head circles and everything else. I mean, Alaskans just want to have a fiscal solution so that we having to, we have to start doing this all the time, but it looks like down there, they, they've got a two track mind, BSA and DB defined benefits and BSA. Uh, let's, uh, give me, give me the rundown of what's going on. So that seems to be the do your topic now. Um, and, uh, I'm going to start off with something that's kind of funny from last week. You know how um, I've got this big old target, you know, that anything I say can and will be used you in the court of Senate opinion, right? And it's fascinating because right. last week I did not, um, you know, we're real careful about hurting somebody's feelings here because people don't understand the world I came from where, you know, you debrief and you're very brutal, right? In the debrief, especially military law enforcement training, those kinds of things, right? Because you have to get better and you have to be brutally honest, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, about how you performed, what you did, uh, what you said, 
you know, that's just that's just the world it is, right? Very thick skin. This world, people are very thin skinned. You say anything and they take offense to it or they use it against you, right? And last week, you know, I, I used a couple people's names, nothing negative, didn't say anything bad. You know, I merely mentioned what they had said in the press release. And one of them, I said, you know, hey, that what that person said was wrong because this is, you know, a different thing. Oh, I heard about that by the time I got into the office. You know, it's like, there he goes again. I'm like, what? What did I say? I mean, they're talking about us all the time. Like, right. They have been impugning the character of Shelley Hughes and I and Rob Myers to a lesser extent since last, like, May. Um, you know, we're terrible people. We're hard to work with. We did this. We did that. I'm like, you know, and it's like, but if we say something, oh, you know, this is like the the standard, the double standard, right? I just wanted to mention that as you and I are sitting here chatting because it is so frustrating to be held to a different standard than the other people that have been impugning us in the press, in press, press, you know, conferences, et cetera, right, right. talking negatively about us forever. But we can't say a word, which I said nothing negative. I merely mentioned what they said and, and you know, discussed it. So I'm throwing that out to your audience just to, you know, because it's, it's very frustrating um, to be held to that standard uh, like this. And, you know, you literally can say nothing. And the point of it all, Mike, is that they're using it to strangle us, right? If they, if they continue to impugn our motive and they continue to paint us into a corner, then we're the bad guy and they can keep doing what they want. And it's very frustrating. So I'm just throwing that out there because, you know, hey, what? They've already basically slaughtered us as you know, being able to represent our oh yeah, you've uh, already been neutered you know, districts. Right, they they completely neutered us. I mean, in a way, I mean, we're gonna we're fighting, right? I mean, we're gonna fight in the shadows and work with the house and the governor and other stuff. It's not like they can, you know, really silence us per se. But um, you know, what more can you do? No committees. I don't think they've ever done that in the history of the state. You know, not recognize us as a minority, give us no press, no. no it's just. What more can you do? So right. I don't know. I just wanted to mention that after last week when you and I talked because we haven't talked about that. And I said even, even just to mention what they say and debrief it, just to say quote, whether it's just right to, or wrong, just yeah, to talk, just the policy right. doesn't even work without somebody saying something. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, just to quote what they said in a televised press release or conference. And then get chastised for that. So essentially what you're saying is you'd like to say hello to all the staffers who are being forced to listen to this program uh, right now and uh, and say hi to all them. And sorry that they have to listen to this all day and every day, you know, kind of thing, because they're the ones that are reporting back, of course, to their lords and masters back there uh, in uh, in the power bubble of Juno. Uh, and I, I'll I don't be, know, Mike. It's just, yeah, it's the, yeah. Look, ahead. it's it's just it's infuriating that you can't have the say even when you're trying to. Be statesmanlike and toe the line and just say, I respect so-and-so, but I disagree with their opinion on this for this, this, and this reason. And, uh, it, yeah, go ahead. Isn't that the point of the minority, too, Mike? I mean, I have yeah. watched them lambast the majority in the past for all the different things they're doing. They're terrible, whatever they are. And I thought we're supposed to discuss policy. I thought we're supposed to discuss what people say, bills they support, what they say in press conferences or online or on the floor, and that's what we're supposed to stick to. Well, that's what I was doing. It's still not good enough, Mike. So just you know, to highlight the kind of different double standard that we're dealing with here and how they're going to continue to use every weapon they can to try to silence us 
um, you know, as a minority when considering what they've already done. So, anyways, moving on. But I thought it was kind of interesting because we didn't talk about it last year. I thought, hey, we did pretty good. You know, yeah. we're not talking about people's, you know, personalities or saying anything negative. Or, and no, not going to work. No, still can't. You know, basically, if I just never go on the radio again, Mike, and I never post on social media, they might be happy. But it's kind of like trying to please the left, right? The right. wokeness. You can never you be can, woke enough. You never. can never be quiet enough <clears throat> if you're in the minority and from the Matsu. You know, God help you. So, yeah. Well, and don't hey, anyways. don't hey, and don't forget, of course, that uh, you know this is not punishment, although it could be perceived as punishment. I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> the quote from the Senate president on that was like, well, it's not really punishment, but I could see as how you might perceive it as punishment. And it could be taken as that way. But, I mean, that really wasn't our intent. It was just blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> well I mean, it wasn't it may not have been the intent of most of them, but I guarantee it was the intent of several of them. Yeah, so, no, exactly. Um, you know, that's just you know, we're not we're not moving past people's feelings, Mike, or what happened in the past to govern today. They're holding on to stuff. Some people, not all, but you know what? It is what it is. Mike's politics. Two years from now, we'll see. Things are going to be different. So yeah. we'll deal with that. When we get there. It was just kind of. It was fascinating to me, and I just I meant to tell you that last week, and I, I forgot. I'm like, man, you should hear that. You know, just you can't even discuss policy without being over there. He goes again. I'm like what? You know, talking about what they say. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, so, wait. You've given up. You've years. given up everything else. Now you can't even talk about it. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. exactly. I think they'd only be happy if you sat in your corner with your little dunce hat on and sucked your thumb and said, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. So I think that would be the only thing that would keep them happy. So, you know but that's what? that's what they want, Mike. They want yeah. silence. They don't yeah. want anybody talking about what they say or do here yeah. because they want to be able to hide in the bubble, you know, like the past. The problem is today you can't. Yeah. Between social media, radio, and, and the the – the vast availability of all these methods other than just the press. Yeah. Because that used to be what it was, right? It used to be pretty much it was the press and the newspaper and anything that might go on TV. That was all that came out and that was tightly controlled. Yeah. Now they can't control that anymore. Yeah. And I think for many of them, they cannot adjust to that and they're very frustrated by it. So they don't control the narrative um, necessarily. So, right. you know, they still have the press. That well, pretty much not the whole narrative, just the majority of the narrative. But any, yeah. any dissension is enough to trigger them in a thing. To which I personally say, and this is me, Michael Dukes, not Mike Shower. This is me. I personally say, screw them. I mean, you know, if you don't like the truth, if you can't handle the truth, then, uh, you know, or at least somebody's ideas or, you know, counter to your argument, then then get, you know, wah, 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 wah. Uh, well, all right. I don't know, Mike. They just, they just need to grow some thick skin so they can, you know, everybody should be able to take criticism or a debrief or a different point of view and we ought to be allowed to talk about that you know we have free speech and the point of that is so we can have the, the greater public debate right and to try to silence people to shut them up um, because they have a countering point of view or they disagree with what you're saying or what your point is is not actually democracy that is not right. freedom of, of speech that is not allowing people to have the, the open public debate and it's, and I think that's really what I'm trying to tell you here and tell people so I understand that, that it's very frustrating. But then they will, if you don't do that, especially in Alaska, remember, binding caucus state, shared power, the only state in the union that does this stuff, um, then they wield um, political power and they wield it in a way that, you know, shuts down entire districts. You know, I, I went right. home over the weekend and we had, we had a, one of the meetings I went to, I went to several. 
you know, we were talking about it, and the people were so angry, you know, the, the fact that, you know, that everybody in that room, there's a hundred something people, everybody in that room, I said, you understand right now, none of you are being represented in the Senate in the state of Alaska because your voice has been silenced because they silenced two of your three senators, right? right. So, right. and you know, they're just, and people understand that that's, that's what's happening with this. So anyways, moving well, on. So the, BSA. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was just, one final, <laughs> one final comment on that because they keep going on and on about how, oh, you've got to be statesmanlike and nobody, we don't take it. And all I can think of is the, is the fight between Thomas Jefferson and, and uh, John Adams, where at one point, Jefferson said something about Adams uh, being a hideous hermaphroditical character. I mean, basically saying he's a hermaphrodite, he's a Nancy boy or whatever. I mean, come on. I mean, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. This has nothing to do with anything other than you don't want your ideas being challenged. Okay, that's enough. I'm sorry. BSA, your floor, go. So... um as we were just discussing, you know, like Senator Hughes, I have no committee. So we went to public testimony for the edge, the Senate education committee We're, Like I said, we're going to go to, you know, do that at different places. Cause that's really other than floor speeches, you know, um, on bills and amendments, which is rare in the beginning and in special orders, which they don't really record and send out to everyone, not on the record. Right. That's really the only voice that we have besides, you know, radio, social media. So we went and publicly testified and had pulled out a report, I got my hands on talking about education and, and what we've done and, you know, this narrative and then, you know, um, another senator stood up on the floor and basically, you know, had kind of the emotional plea about we just have to do this, you know, because we have to, it's, it's for the children. And if you don't do this, you right. know, it was, it was reminiscent of another senator's speech a, a couple of years ago during COVID that said, well, if you don't vote for this bill, you know, basically you may want people to die. I mean, you know, I'm like, what? You know, I mean, that kind of level of the, it's, it's the emotional plea. You got to do this, you know, or you're just kind of a bad person. And that's kind of the generic narrative I can see being framed right now. Well, if you don't support this BSA increase, then you just don't care about the children and, and you're just not a good person. I mean, that's, you know, I, I know they're always going to, well, that's not what I said, or that's not what I meant, but that's really what's going on here, Mike. This is going to use every possible emotional trick in the book to try to get people to, you know, fold on the BSA funding. And I'm looking at the numbers, right? And so, you know, when they say this, and, and one of the comments was something like, you know, this is a thinly veiled, you know, everybody says accountability, that's a thinly veiled, you know, threat of wanting to cut education spending. I'm like, here we go, right? It's like, you know, we're just bad people. We just want to cut and we don't care what happens. And like, that's bogus. I mean, I've got kids, all my kids went through public education in Alaska and my grandkids are in it now. You know, so when people say that, I'm like, do you understand what you're saying? Do you think I don't care about it when my own grandkids, you know, are in it right now? It's like the the bus situation in the mat suit. I'm like, Michelle's having to stay, you know, and, and, take the kids, the grandkids around because, or, you know, our daughter's trying to work and, you know, can't get there with a, like, this is affecting me directly. How do you think I don't care about this stuff or this matters to, to many of us, if not all of us, in, in one way or another, I'm directly affected by it, you know, with, with uh, the bus plus stuff, what's happening with my kids in school in, in Alaska. I want a good education system, right? I'd like to see one that's more flexible. I'd like to see backpack funding where kids can have the money follow them. I'd like to see choices for parents. I'd like to see, you know, no pornography sitting in the flipping libraries where a kid can read it, you know, with their classroom, you know, right. grossly explicit pornography. But it's so bad that in the Anchorage school board, an adult reading that to the school board members as adults, they stop. We can't read that here. It's too much. 
oh, but you can leave it for the kids. I mean, that's the kind of sick, twisted mentality we're talking about now, right, Mike, with some of these things happening. But I'm looking at it going, you understand that in the last 20 years plus, a little bit, and I briefed this on the report, um, we've increased, because they want to say, well, we just haven't increased education funding forever, you know. We've increased it by over a third. Did you know that? Because people don't talk about the numbers. They only talk about how, well, it's been flat funded for seven years. That's not really true, first of all, because we threw $60 million at it last year, right? Two-thirds of $100 million just threw it at it last year. And there's still inflation-proofing and other stuff that's been happening. So it's not true when they say this has just been flat funded. We have increased education spending by over a third, Mike, in the last 20 years. But one thing is true. Most of that money, or a lot of it, has gone to benefits. Healthcare, certainly very expensive. That's part yep. of the problem. Ask the NEA for it, because the NEA will never give us actuarials. I've gone through that on this program and before, trying to figure out ways to save healthcare costs, right? They just want more money, because the more money that uh, the education uh, people that are employed in it get, the more money the union gets. I know how that works, because that's my own union as well. Right. All right. Hold, but hold, the teachers hold. have only got. Oh, you're going to hold on I, to the next segment? Yeah, I okay. got to hold, hold the next segment. Just hold the, the diatribe for a minute there. We're going to be right back to you. Holding. <laughs> it's not a diatribe. It's an educational influx. That's what it is. All right, we're going to continue here. Mike Shower is our guest. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break. Mike Shower is our guest. Um, Boy, some people are really incensed about you being muzzled or attempted to be muzzled or silenced. They're like, call a spade a spade. Call them out. Say things. Do it. You know. Name names, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's the whole caucus, Mike. There's no individual, per se, in this one. I mean, this was the caucus decision. This was eight Republicans and nine Democrats. I know that I'm sure that not all of them would have done it this way, but, you know, there's probably the, the power players are kind of manipulating this. But the point is, it, they all had to make a decision. So 17 people chose, you know, you know, ultimately to completely silence, you know, as a group at least, whether they all, I don't, I really don't believe every one of them would have done it this way, but it's irrelevant. Because it's kind of like, you know, when people say, well, I voted for the PFD. Yeah, but you knew that the PFD was going to be shot down. And then you voted for the final budget, which had a small PFD. So you voted for a small PFD. No, I didn't. You know, yes, you did. Because if you would have voted no on the budget, they put the small PFD in and didn't pull the law. They would have had to go back to the negotiating table if enough of us would have held the line. So when you say, I voted for it, uh, no, don't play the political game that gives you top cover, right? <laughs> right. And that's kind of the same thing with this. I'm like, you made a choice. You joined that caucus. Co- that- that coalition, that's your choice. And that choice silenced three of your Republican colleagues, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm not looking at this as an individual in this case, Mike, because they all did it, you know, when they made this choice to join. Well, one and of the, they know what they did, so one, whatever. And one of the things that even the paper, you know, never talked about when it was talking about the formation and how the majority or the minority was pushed out, the unofficial minority and everything else, nobody really acknowledges that, I mean, you basically just disenfranchised nearly 100,000 Alaskans. A hundred a hundred thousand Alaskans just got their voices snipped on any discussion because you've put them all in the in this minority that is not even a minority. It doesn't even have any that like you said, no press secretary, no rebuttal, no committees, no nothing. It gives them it basically just 
disenfranchised 100,000 voters. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that's that's what they did. And it's a choice they made. So when you say name, names, whatever, I mean, look at the coalition, Mike. The names are right there in it. That's a choice they made. So, you know, whatever. I mean, this is kind of like the forgive and forget, right? You know, uh, you can forgive people and, and move on, but, you know, you don't forget what people did because otherwise the same thing happens to you again, right? You know, this is like what happened, you know, four or five years ago when we went to 2019, that first coalition, and we put things up on the board with priorities. And then later on, you know, somebody couldn't find what we wrote on that board. You know, we're like, we want to see that piece of paper. Well, I can't find it. Okay. Right. And, and you know, and then they altered the deal from right. what we had to vote for. And then one of the leadership people, you know, um, ended up being a Democrat. And that was one of the things that wasn't supposed to happen. No Democrats in leadership, but they did. Right. And then <laughs> it was like one of the, one of the senior ones voted against the capital budget. And the deal was you would lose all your stuff Well, that person lost nothing. And then we voted against the budget because of the PFD, what three or four of us did. And then we got slaughtered. Like, that's not the deal. So, you know, and it's like, well, if you do the same thing, the next, the next organization, you're going to get hosed. That was when we had enough numbers to not have the binding caucus. Right. And guess what? Last year, for the first time in forever, we actually had a full PFD pass. We passed the, we passed a good budget. We had extra capital because we had extra money. And I'm going, so don't tell me it doesn't work. But if you keep doing the same things, you're going to get hosed. And that's, that's right where we're back to this year, right? It's the same deal, binding caucus, same people in charge, same this, same that. What makes you think the deals or the, you know, the end result's going to be any different? It's going to be a smaller PFD. You know, it's going to be a big budget. And God help us if the BSA DB stuff goes through. I mean, the budget's going to grow by the better part of a billion dollars. Yeah. When we can't, and, and they're saying, well, we can't afford this and we don't have the money for a PFD. But you have the money to increase the budget by a billion dollars for a BSA increase. And we'll talk about the BSA because what's frustrating is not the money per se that we're spending on education it's the results and it's the fact that how the system is set up and what happens well, to the money and that's what it gets you well, the problem with the bsa is, is that there's no guarantee that the majorities of those monies actually end up in the classroom to teach the children you got it's, it. it's sucked up that's the point the majority of it the lion's share is sucked up by administrative costs and overhead and actual you know things like that it's not actually going into the classroom and that's the that's the most egregious part especially of the reporting on this because nobody is reporting on it properly okay um we're gonna jump back into it here we go mike shower is our guest the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio like and share like and follow here we go All right, continuing with Mike Shower here, our guest on the Michael Duke Show. It's uh, the Shower Hour of Power. We were just talking about uh, BSA and everything else and how really there's a lot of misinformation that's been gone on out there. And one of the most interesting parts about this whole thing and that nobody is really talking about, except we've talked about it here pretty exhaustively on this program, is that uh, the BSA, even with an increase, there's no guarantee that those monies actually end up in the classroom. And in fact, the way the formula is factored, the majority of the BSA ends up going to administrative costs and overhead and salaries and benefits and school buildings and everything else. And a very little fractional part of it actually ends up in the classroom with no accountability. Mike. 
Well, it's supposed to be 70%. You may remember we had a statute that says 70% would go to the, you know, basically the instructional side, the students, the teachers, et cetera. That was repealed, right? That just doesn't work. You know, <clears throat> I got that this week talking to somebody who was an educator, said, you know, that just, you, back to that, you just don't understand, you know. Um, you know, well, have you gone and, and done a budget before? I'm like, have you ever gone and flown an airplane? You know, I mean, have you ever gone to, you know, weapon school? Have you ever been in an upgrade? I mean, you know, no, because it's not my expertise. You know, I mean, a silly question. You know, well, if you haven't done that, you just don't understand, right? So I'm like, okay. So it's back to that you're not smart enough to get this on, you know, how this works. Well, I'm smart enough to understand that looking at the facts, I can read a report. A report that says over the last 20 years, we've increased our education spending in Alaska by over a third. And 4%, like 4% average salary increase for teachers right so in one sense they're not wrong that they haven't really gotten much because we're back to they repealed the statute that directed money to go in that direction where most of us go well okay it's going to the teachers and the students i can live with that now i'd like to see some results that work right not bottom category and yes i know we got to compare apples to apples not every school district is the same some in alaska are doing okay some are doing absolutely terrible but then you're just going to feed the money over a quarter of a billion dollars at this point is what they seem to be throwing around or more um, to the same system that in that last 20 years has no accountability to the money because it's gone to more buildings like Anchorage that's actually decreasing its student population, but building more buildings and saying we just need more money or it's going to the superintendents and the administrators or it's going to. Um, the maintenance structure itself, it's going to um, anything other than the teachers in the classroom. So I'm kind of with the teachers on this one going, so you want us to throw a quarter of a billion dollars at the same system that you put no hooks in, no metrics, no guarantees that that money is going to go to the teachers in the classroom again. You just got to throw money at it, right? Well, that's the only way we're going to do what? Give another 4% pay raise to the teachers over the next four, eight, 10 years? Is that, that's your plan, right? right. Back to Ghostbusters, remember? I got right. a plan, get her. And he's like, yeah. that's your plan, you know, at the end of it when the ghost, you know, just crushed him. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you justify anybody increasing a quarter of a billion dollars, which is going to push us towards a half, one and a half billion dollars. Education will be by far the most costly state program out of 17 agencies in Alaska. And you're just going to funnel the money at it throw the money at the problem with no guarantee of where it's going to go, knowing that the system metrics have shown us in the last 20 years, almost all of it has gone to other things other than the students and the teachers, including benefits, which yes, I admit has gobbled up a lot of it because we won't deal with the healthcare problem. The union doesn't seem to want to, doesn't want to talk about it. Where's the union on this, Mike? The union ought to be leading the charge on getting the pay to the teachers and changing the BSA because they don't want to do the BSA, right? I mean, nobody wants to crack open the formula. Well, maybe it's time right? because I'm not going to agree to throw money at the problem when I have no way to guarantee where the money's going to go, right? I've said it before in this program, like, I don't mind spending money. I mind spending money when I don't know where it's going to go and I don't have any guarantee how it's going to show us the returns. The improvement, so, right. The improvement on it. The which... improvement. So... How, how do you justify that other than what I'm seeing right now? Well, it's an emotional appeal. You know, if you don't do this, you don't care about the children. Um, you know, we just have to take care of them and do this. And I go, great. So I asked another question. This is a fundamental one. I was talking to one of the other senators here yesterday or day before. And I said, well, you know, I understand you want to throw money at this problem. You know, I didn't say it that way, but, you know, you want to just 
you want to increase the BSA because you want to make sure the children are well educated and that they have, you know, an education so they can get the workforce here and do stuff. And I looked and I said, uh, what workforce? What? What? I said, what workforce? I said, we're going to break the state, right? Because we're going to be spending so much money on defined benefits for everybody and just the state, right? I mean, not, not the private sector, not the other average workers, not the other several hundred thousand Alaskans, but the 20,000 something state workers. We're going to basically break the state to pay more BSA to wherever it's going to go. We're going to do a defined benefit for state workers across the board, which we can't afford. And when those children graduate from our wonderful education system, if it ever gets to that point and, and read by nine and other stuff comes around and we actually hold things accountable, um, there's not going to be any jobs for them because we've never solved the underlying structural problems of the state. We're just putting Band-Aids on it like the BSA. We're not solving a comprehensive fiscal plan. There's no stability moving forward. Business CEOs, like I told you last week, will say, you're a banana republic. You're a third world nation. We don't know what Alaska is going to do. So nobody's going to invest in the state long term, Mike. Why would they? So if they're not going to invest here, it means we're not going to grow the private sector economy. It means there's not going to be any jobs for these kids when they come out. What do you think is going to happen? We're going to have a wonderful education system. We're dumping a billion and a half into every year for 130,000 students, and they're all going to end up going to Texas and Florida or wherever else there's a, there's a job market. Because, and not because they necessarily want to. What's going to be left for them, Mike? We won't even solve the underlying structural fiscal problems of this state. When we have briefed it over and over again, Democrats and Republicans came together and gave options for plans for leadership in this building, the legislature to solve our underlying fiscal problems so we can start moving on for everything else and showing the business leaders of the world, showing big businesses, showing the private sector, Alaska can get its act together. It can be stable. You can be sure what we're going to do for the next five or 10 years because now we've fixed our problems and we've got the PFD solved. We're stopped fighting about it. We've got a spending cap, all these different things. No, we haven't done that. And if you're not going to do it in that order, Mike, I'm not going to agree to just keep throwing money at the problem. And that's what we're doing. You're throwing money as a Band-Aid at the BSA saying, well, we just need money. Well, no, you don't because I go back to you. First, you haven't fixed your structural problems. Secondly, you don't know how that money's going to work. And thirdly, I can point out that the money we have spent and increased by over a third in the last 20 years has gone to all the other stuff other than the teachers because they got a 4% pay raise. No, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers that uh, Naresh was giving it to me from our office and talking about the pay raises in the executive branch. You got these like, you know, university president and the, you know, uh, the ADA board member and the, uh, the AGDC member, you know, they got, oh, 10%, you know, $10,000 increase here, 22,000 increase there from last year's pay. And I'm going, here we go again, Mike, we're shoveling money at the problem and we're not getting solutions. And so, yes, I am frustrated. I am not going to go down that path. I can't agree to do these things until I see the other stuff happen. Why this? This is like you know the bill we talked about a couple of years ago, and I told the senator that passed. I said, "I'm sorry, partner. I can't. I can't vote for your tax because we haven't bounded any of the money we're spending. We're just throwing more money at it, but we're not solving any of our problems. That's not good governance. That's not leadership. And I'm not going to agree to do those things until I see this happen first. We have to solve our fiscal structure before we start throwing a half a billion dollars at it. Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. So well, that is kind of the big discussion right now with BSA and defined benefits. And you can see the push. And, you know, we've discussed first responders. I'd love to do something for them, um, you know, to help out because they're a little bit of a different category. You know, you run to the sound of the gunfire, you get shot at and beat up, you run into a burning building. But the problem is when you start 
doing that, what else happens? They go, well, then, you know, we want all the teachers to have it. We want all the other ones. And they right. want it. It's they want it. Camel's it's, nose under the tent. Right. Exactly. Well, and as it you just, po- it just, and as you pointed yeah. out, as you start talking about things like, well, there should be accountability baked into this. If we're going to if we're going to increase it, there needs to be accountability. But as you said, then you're accused of, well, you're trying to stealth cut the budget. You're trying to do it. You just don't like children. But other states have done this. I mean, Sarah Montalbano was on on Monday and she said, look at the Tennessee model. The Tennessee model actually has uh, performance metrics baked into the base student. You'll get more BSA if you do better with the scholastic achievement. That's how it should uh, yeah. be. If, if you're delivering a good product, you'll get more money to continue to deliver a good product. And they just don't it's, they don't want to have any accountability on any of that. In fact, again, they want to use these spurious arguments to say, well, if you you're just trying to cut the budget. No, I'm trying to get a good value for the money we're investing now. For the children, right? That's the point, Mike. I want to see the money go to the children. I want them to have a good education system. But if you just keep throwing money at the same system, which we've already demonstrated empirically with the data isn't going to work, then why would you keep doing the same thing? The definition of insanity again. We need to do something different. I don't know all the answers. Education isn't my lane or my area of expertise, but I can certainly think through it. I've been talking to other legislators like Senator Hughes one. She's been in education for some time. She was talking about that very thing. Well, how about we have something? What and she said, and I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, I'm sure, but something like you know, you have a different BSA increase, and it's some of it's put aside for a child, and if they're doing well, the school's doing well, they can have the whole thing. But if they don't, then they'll hold some back. In other words, it's not really punishment, but it's reward, right? The carrot, the stick. You look at schools and go, look, if your students start performing, you guys do better. You're going to get more money to come to that because you're doing better, which means students will go there, right? It's like a good coach. My, my youngest son did that. He went to Colony all four years and played soccer, right, because Jeremy was there. He's been for 25 years or whatever teaching, and he's got a winning record. So what do parents do? They want kids to go to that program because they're going to be successful, right, and have options. And if you've got a good school or you have some backpack funding that follows the kids so they can do, you know, either magnet schools or private school, but, boy, that, that sets off the hornet's nest, right? Oh, you want to tear down the public education system? No, I don't. I want parents and students to have options because you can only go as fast, Mike, as the slowest boat in the convoy. And when you're in public education, there are kids that aren't as, as um, smart. They don't learn as fast. They don't do whatever. And it slows down the, the ones that are doing really well. Why would we punish those students? Right, right. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but that's the reality. Not everybody's going to be a rocket scientist or a doctor or whatever. And that's okay. We need ditch diggers, Danny. I've said that before, you know, from, from Caddyshack. There's nothing wrong with that. There are people that have fantastic jobs and lives and careers as a mechanic or an electrician or a welder, you name all the other skills that we need to function as a society, not everybody's going to go to college or needs to or should to that cottage industry that'll right. cost you a quarter of a million dollars to get a degree in basket weaving. Right. So, you know, you go back to, Mike, I want to see some of these solutions. We should be having the debate. But right now it's all about you hate the children if you don't, you know, vote for a, a quarter of a billion dollar BSA increase. You, do, you hate state workers if you don't agree to a defined benefit plan for all people. I go, no, that's absolutely the, the opposite is true. I care very deeply about it, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it in a way that's going to work, that's going to make sense. That's not the same thing we've been doing for 20-something years and make it a little better. And there's well, got to be ways to do that. The first, uh, the first portion of fixing a problem is acknowledging that there's a problem, and that's one thing that we're not seeing right now. We're not seeing them acknowledging that there's a problem. Well, I guess I could say they are acknowledging, but they're saying that it's we just don't have enough money. I mean, even though we're pouring ever-increasing amounts in and still getting poor results, they don't want to look at the base foundation of what's 
fundamentally broken. So it's interesting. Uh, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Mike Showers, our guest up next. We'll talk to find benefits in more. You're home for Common Sense Radio. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. In the break, State Senator Mike Schauer, our guest. You should tell us how you really feel about this, Mike, because I mean, you know, I'm not sure that you're. I'm not sure that you've really got your point across here. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> ha ha. Well, but it's, it's, I get it. I know it's so frustrating, man. It is. It is totally frustrating. I'll be honest. This is one of the reasons why I never sent my kids to brick and mortar school because I've been following this issue for twenty plus years. Of what's been going on in there. I mean, from, you know, Alex Delgado's, uh, you know, uh, dumbing down of the American education system and everything else that I read when I was in my early 20s and and all this other stuff. And I realized, man, we've got to fix some of this stuff and realizing that it never was going anywhere because we have an institution that has a baked in momentum. They want to keep things going the way that they are, even if the thing is broken. They don't want to acknowledge that it's not broken. They just say, well, it will work if we just put more money into it. I mean, but if it's broken at the base, you can, I mean, you can never build the tower if the foundation isn't right. So if you, if you've got something that's fundamentally flawed in the system, it doesn't matter how much money you're going to put, you're going to pour into it. There might be a fractional increase somewhere down the road in, in outcomes, but the bottom line is it's never going to be what it needs to be because we're, you know, you you can't you can't make chicken salad out of chicken poop, right? You've got to use chicken. Well, yeah, and I'll I'll put this on the radio too. My Senator Hughes brief that it was also in the report that I, you know I got all my whole three minutes. You know, to, then they shut you up in public testimony. It's hard to get through a report and get your point across in that amount of time. Always is, right? But um, uh, so the four percent was one of the numbers stuck out in my head. A third increase spending in the last 20 years. Another thing stuck in my head. One of them was in Senator Hughes brief. This like says more her lane. You know, she does this quite a bit, uh, you know, the education stuff. And it was that you can, if you just throw money at the problem, um, there is no evidence to show that it will increase performance. But um, if you can guarantee that the money goes to the students and the teachers in the classroom, it may increase your performance. Generally speaking, you'll see some. You won't get like the read by nine act and go from 50th in the nation to you know fifth, but you will see improvement if the money is absolutely funneled into the classroom because you'll get a little better teacher re- re- you know recruitment and performance. You'll see some more stuff for the children, but that also includes things like you said, backpack funding, some choices, allowing them like you know like we I've talked often here in the program with you about Matsu where you know the student can do some homeschooling some schooling in in the classroom can play sports and you know so they have options you're not you're not pounding the square peg in the round hole you're giving options to students so that you know you can every ship in the convoy can go at its own speed right and that's important if you're really going to have a good education system every student needs to have a tailored program themselves you put them all in the same box mike you're going to slow some of them down and right. that's just the reality. So it isn't the best education model, quite frankly, right. unless you can, you know, free up that flexibility. So that was one of the things I thought was fascinating that she breathed and that report also backed it up that, you know, school funding going directly to the classroom may improve performance, but just throwing money at an education system when it goes to all the other stuff, there's no performance increase because guess what? Most of it was gobbled up by benefits, by administration, 
by building stuff, by all kinds of other things, even like the bus stuff, right? I mean, we're going through that yeah. mass year, like I said, right now. Right. So. Well, I mean, look, I, I was just mm. uh, 35 years ago, for almost 38, whatever it is, 35 plus years ago, I was in school. And I remember the number of administrators versus teachers was pretty low. I mean, it was probably two to one, maybe three to one teachers to administrators because they had a guidance counselor and a vice principal and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't. Today, it is completely upside down. Montalbano, again, from AFP, uh, uh, APF, Alaska Policy Forum, was on talking about that administrative cost. And we're going to break that down next, I think, next week. Um, because we're talking about there are four administrators, or excuse me, five administrative positions for every four teaching positions. It has gotten totally out of control. I mean, the size of the overhead in the administrative side has grown two and a half, three times what it used to be. And I think it's gained a momentum of its own. And nobody wants to see that stop because, oh, those are good paying jobs. We don't want to see that stop. Well, it, none of that matters if you're not teaching the children. If the children are not reaching the scholastic aptitude and we're 49th in uh, reading and 48th in, in math, uh, I mean, it's 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 horrific. And yet we're pouring exponentially ever increasing amounts of money into it until we until we focus on what's broken. We can't we can't fix it. We just throw in more money at it. It's not going to matter. And, Mike, you got to go back to the baseline. If we don't put in place a comprehensive fiscal policy in this state to provide stability to state spending and taxation, and the private sector and investment moving forward in our economy to diversify it and grow it. It doesn't matter what else we do and how much money we throw at school, education, or anything else because your system is fundamentally still broken. Until we solve that first and guarantee there's going to be a job market for our children, we're not solving anything because you're doing it in reverse order. This is like you get the sickness and then you treat it right, with, you know, uh, NyQuil over and over again, but you never cure the disease. Until we cure the disease, throwing all the medicine in the world isn't going to matter. All right, hold the line. I'll let you finish your thoughts on this, and we'll jump into the de the defined benefits, and we'll go from there. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Continuing now with State Senator Mike Schauer for the Shower Hour of Power. Um, let's uh, continue on. We wanted to final uh, finish up a final thought on the BSA in education before we moved on to the defined benefits monster that's in the room here. Uh, Mike, go for it. Yeah, so what we said in the break, two things here. One was, that, you know, Senator Hughes, who's this is more her lane. She's been in education, you know, working on it for some time. When we, her and I publicly testified in front of Senate finding, or Senate Education last week, was that you know you can throw money at the problem and there is zero evidence to show that it will increase your performance. If you make sure the money is funneled directly to the teachers and students in the classroom, it may increase your performance. There's no guarantee, but it may work, right? It may help a little bit. It's never going to get you from 50th to fifth in the nation, you know, and in overall performance, but it, it may help. So that's an important thing. And, and when we're throwing around all these different numbers. And the other part, we, you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, finish this segment on this. And, and this applies to DB too, but Mike, we're, this is like said, you catch a disease and you just throw NyQuil at it and, you know, antibiotics and whatever, but you don't cure the disease, right? 
if we don't fix, again, our underlying structure, our fiscal structure that is somewhat broken in this state, then you are just putting a Band-Aid on it by throwing money at the BSA or to find that you're never going to fix it because the underlying structure still needs a private sector economy to do what? To provide taxation to the government to pay all these people and to have all these, you know, this government growth. And so if we don't fix the underlying fiscal structure first, we are doing it out of order. You're putting a Band-Aid on the problem that the patient's still going to bleed out. Right. You have to fix the underlying fiscal structure before we do all these other things. And there's not going to be a private sector for your kids to get into and stay here and work at once they get out of this wonderful education system well, because it's going to be broke. Yeah. And so you've got to do it in an order that makes sense, Mike. You've got to fix your problems and not just throw money and put Band-Aid on it, which is all we're doing with these. And by the way, these are not one-time. People say, well, you know, last week, you know, last year, Shower, you know, you had a big budget because you had a half a billion of, you know, uh, capital spending and, you know, statutory PFT. That was a couple billion dollars. Well, let's think about that. First of all, on the statutory PFT, that's the law, right? And I've said it again, part of the fiscal policy, doing it in the correct order, Mike, you solve the problem. Right. And we had solutions to the PFT to take it off the table, and it would all have worked and balanced out. So I still contend we follow that law until we have the courage and the fortitude and the smartness to solve it with a permanent pro a permanent solution that is comprehensive. So that's number one. And it is a year-to-year -year spend, right? Mike, if all of a sudden just everything just fell apart, we could, as the courts have allowed us to do, not follow the law and give a $500 PFT, right? So there, at least there's some options there if you had to, right? Like it was the end of the world. The other thing, capital spending is the same. If we have money, I've said it before, and you need to spend it, you spend it. If you have money, you don't, you save it. But we had money available last year. We're way behind on capital projects, so we put extra money into it. I think that is reasonable, right? Um, in the years we don't have it, we've, we've been you know, short funding it or it's the minimum we can get away with. That's okay. But the stuff they're talking about, Mike, BSA increases, defined benefits for state employees, those are forever. Those are agency operating budget costs that we are stuck with year after year forever that will never go down. Yep. And where are you going to pay for it when we see a tight budget? And you can't just cut it. You can't just stop that year, you know, next year because all of a sudden, you know, the, the permanent fund drops because the stock market crashes like a couple of years ago or the oil shrinks up more or, you know, because we got a, a presidential administration that's just slaughtering this nation with 44 individual executive orders crushing development, right? So because we're a resource extraction state, can't mine, can't dig for oil and get, you know, can't do anything. So again, when you see these things in order and lay it out, Mike, we need to be doing certain things. But the first and most foremost thing we must be doing is solving our problems and then working all this other stuff before the patient bleeds out. Right. And these are well, long-term programs. They're that's, forever. That's a problem that we faced in this state for a long time. And quite honestly, nationally, is we're constantly we're constantly treating the symptoms and ignoring the disease that's making us sick. And we're just, it's constantly happening all the time. Uh, let's move on. to. So that's it here. It's BSA, defined benefits, that's the rage. Um, defined benefits is next, of course, and that's really just starting to gain. I mean, BSA has been the hot one for a couple of weeks. So that, I think it was almost like they want to just shove it through yep. before everybody spins up the resistance, right? Right. And you can tell how fast they're moving some stuff. The one bill had like two hearings in the House Committee. Poof, it was on to the next one, doing the same thing in the Senate, just going to shove that sucker through as fast as they can, you know, and see what happens. And that's, you know, that's in, in a way it's a strategy, right? You see how fast you can move it before it right. gets embroiled and all the stuff. And that's part of it. Defined benefits. Oh, we think we can make it cost neutral. Well, they're not. I worked on that ironically <laughs> with Von Imhoff last year, you know, I mean, and her and I butted heads on mostly the PFD, but we were working together going, 
couldn't quite get there, Mike, you know, yeah. and we're looking at different ways and how much they contribute and all these different things. I have teased the idea of maybe we look at just the healthcare side where you could have a, a, a broader pool where they paid into it as if they were an active employee, you know, and do that. And there's, because a lot of them are more worried about not the 401k, you know, the defined contribution plan, not defined benefit, not how much money they're making today. They're worried about when they retire from state service, having one bad health event and their family being wiped out financially. That happens, right? So right. I think you could look at something that was like a healthcare option that would allow them to come in. And most of the ones I've talked to said that would be okay. I can live with that. You know, right. cause you're trying to find something that works, that helps people because you want to help them, right? And you want to retain good workers, but you can't do it and break the bank. And the problem is, you know, you go back to a tier one or two type system, you know, it's like, that's just, it's unaffordable. It's, there's a reason why states drop those plans, Mike. There's a reason why the, the private sector has dropped those plans and gone to define contributions because the Dodd-Frank rules and the rest of it required to have so much money in the books forever, right? It's not just until that employee retires and the 401k goes with them. And then if you had a healthcare option or something where they could be covered and not and be insured, they weren't going to lose everything to one, you know, one, you know, family member gets cancer or something else and wipes them out. Well, you're looking for options that are going to bridge that and allow us to kind of make it work. Right. Right. Well, and because right again, now, the, again, they keep saying, ahead. oh, the, the revenue neutral or this is actually going to save us money. And nobody's talking about the cost, the add on cost from the communities and everything else. We're talking about 40,000 employees that would be covered by this. All the state employees, the muni, the the boroughs, the cities, they would all be covered by this. And many of these cities are still paying off uh, past due uh, uh, benefits that they were supposed to accrue uh, in the prior tiers, one through three. I mean, there are some communities that still owe millions of dollars to this because they haven't been, they haven't had a chance to get caught up. And now you want to add to it even more. I mean, this this idea, this pie in the sky idea that somehow this is going to save us money or be revenue neutral is is unrealistic to say, to be kind. It's unrealistic. It is unrealistic, Mike. And you know what's funny is at least at the BSA, we've got some hard numbers to throw around. $1,000 BSA increase is, is about over a little over a quarter of a billion dollars a year. You know what hasn't happened with the defined benefit? I haven't seen real numbers yet. I think they're afraid to say them because the reality is it's going to be billions of dollars because <laughs> you got to put money away. You got to have it yeah. on the books to be, you know, yeah. to meet certain, you know, actually it's just, it's going to be a shocking number. I think when we see what a defined benefit plan for all state employees is going to end right now. Oh, it's just for the teachers. It's just for the first. No, it's not. That's not no, where this is going, no, Mike. No. You already got multiple plans coming, and, and it will yeah. grow. Well, and, and it, it's just and, and Josephson was already quoted in the newspaper as saying, "Well, this is just for them, but I would be happy if it got to everybody." That this is the it is, it is the camel's nose that's under the tent. You can't just give it to uh, first responders or first responders and teachers because the next thing that you know, there'll be a lawsuit from every other uh, uh, employee out there to say that's unequal. We can't have that. We've all got to have access to the same thing. And now we're on the hook for billions of dollars in unfunded liabilities and, and, for future. And they don't employers. want that number. Yeah, they no, don't want that no. number to come out because it's going to shock people into saying, no way, we can't afford that. Once you see that, and that's the um, that's the unfortunate side. The people that we probably could, or it would be best to help them, like the people that really have dangerous jobs. There's, I don't see a way to fence it off right now that you can help them, and so you end right. up killing it for the ones we really do want to help, because you're going to open it up to everybody, and it's just I don't know how you you solve this, but we'll see numbers come out. We'll talk about it more as it. it you know, as it progresses, but goodness gracious, again, I go back to Mike, I'm going to keep harping on the same point. What's the point of putting band-aids on all these problems until we fix the underlying structure yeah. 
so we have a private sector economy moving forward. I mean, we're not doing this in an order that makes sense. And so you're going to have to find ways to do that first. We're going to have to step back and at some point either get rid of the older people in this building that you know aren't listening to it or the new ones coming in that seem to be beholden to unions and others because unions control the state. Let there be no doubt. We've talked about it. Um, this I had an argument with, and I know we're almost out of time. I'll make it quick, but I had one of the, you know, a lot of teacher lobbyist groups coming through, or I should say school, not teachers necessarily, over the last couple of weeks. And I had one from one part of my district, and boy, it got real contentious. You know, I think I said that last week with one of those guys. And he's like, you just want to cut. I'm like, I never said the word cut. I said, so you just want me to devote, to take money away from poor people and the disabled that need the PFD. Well, I never said that. Well, well you just told me I want to cut. Right. So, you right. know, it's we know how this argument's going to go is that it's like you just want to cut you just don't care if you won't just give us money yeah and i go no i want accountability yeah i want to see a plan tremendous straw man (laughs) arguments going on there uh mike shower uh thanks for coming on board and joining us hold the line for a second folks we're out of time for today i forgot to mention earlier that i'm going to be off on monday for president's day i know it's weird right but i got the opportunity i'm taking monday off you're gonna have alternate programming we'll remind everybody tomorrow Folks, we will see you. Have a good day. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. All right. Uh, Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. I forgot to mention that earlier today because I was so jazzed up on coffee that uh, I forgot to tell you I'm taking Monday off. Uh, Mike Shower, final thoughts here. I'll give you the last two minutes to wrap up if that's all you need. Just hit me with it. What what do you think? We'll never... We'll never get done in two minutes. We'll always be talking about something. Yeah. I, I just, like, I'm just going to keep repeating the same message over and over again, and that is that this body, to to make this state viable moving forward, has to enact, even if it pisses some people off, sorry for the language, um, it has to enact a comprehensive plan so there is stability in state spending and taxation moving forward, or there is no private sector economy. Alaska turns into a great national park, which I know would make some people happy. Um, and in most of our uh, development of our resources in any other industry just doesn't happen. And if that happens, what's the point of having a shining, you know, uh, you know, education system on a hill when our children are all going to leave and go somewhere else because they don't have any jobs to stay here? Right. So we need to get our act together mike we need to be acting like we understand how this works and in order we need to be doing things in an order that's going to make sense and it's going to start with that fiscal plan and then you can work on the other stuff and so if we don't do that you're really just you're not going anywhere you're pedaling right as fast as you can pedal but you're on a stationary bike you're not moving but you're actually going backwards my my challenge to you based on everything we just talked about today my challenge to you is get that number for the defined benefits thing if we want to kill one thing the defined benefits for sure has got to go uh we need to get that number out there and we need to know exactly what the estimated costs are going to be and you're right they want to force it through they don't want anybody to know they want to you know they want to keep it secret keep it safe because they know it would freak people out my challenge to you and the rest of the minority and the majority in oh, the we'll house is to get that number we'll out and show people this is not sustainable. This makes no sense. Dude, we're, we, we're, we got we got the weapon, Mike. That's exploding heads. Donna Arduin's back. We yeah. get, we'll get the number yeah, and ex- we will get it out. It's just exactly. going to take some time to get the because right ones. I mean, let's face it. We're all we're still seven billion dollars in the hole from the previous uh, defined benefits run. We still ha- we still owe. And now you want to add more to it uh, in, in this old BS about, oh, it'll save money or it'll be cost neutral. No, that's why it made it through community and regional affairs with no fiscal note 
because he intentionally didn't attach it. I guarantee it. He intentionally did not put that on there because he knew that would be the red flag that would throw throw it on the play. So that was... Oh, there, yeah, there's, there is no doubt whatsoever. If, if they put numbers on some of these things, it's going to shock a few of the committee members that might have otherwise voted for it. They see some of these numbers, they go, nope, no way I can do that. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's my challenge to you and all the majority members in the House and everything else. Get those numbers out there and at least be able to, I mean, they, the paper's going to have to report on that at least to say, well, it's going to cost this much, folks, because billions of dollars is what we're talking about. All right, um, Mike Shower. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for being part of it today. It's good. Yes, sir. Look forward to it next week as well. And yep. uh, hopefully I'll see if I can get some more fidelity on numbers for the uh, audience, and I'll try to pass that along. And I'll look at the landmine article. I have not seen that one. Uh, and that wasn't on. Sometimes and I, on and I, I, I got them transposed. The landmine article was not about uh, defined benefits. It's about the BSA, and it breaks down the BSA with some very interesting okay. numbers, yes. by the way. Some very, in fact, it talks about that in the state of Alaska, we pay in in other states. The state contributes about forty eight percent to K through twelve education. In the state of Alaska, sixty three percent. A fifteen. We we spend. We contribute sixty three percent. Other states are forty eight. That's an interesting thought because if this goes back onto the back of the local communities, then there might be some pushback. If somebody, if it's not a free ride and somebody else is paying for it. That might be an interesting discussion to have, uh, but you should go back and read that article. Yeah, it's a good piece. For I, sure. I will do that, and that is interesting because one of the senators that's uh, you know on education that was we had a side discussion about. They said, "Well, I really believe in local control, and uh, you know, so therefore I don't want to take away that local control." Because my point was, don't you want accountability with the money the state's going right. to push to this? Well, right. I want to have local control. Well, those very local control districts you're talking about are the ones that you just said. You know, some of them are doing really poorly. Some of them are doing okay. So you want to just keep funneling money at it with no metrics entitled. So how, how does that work? You know, right. and, and there's no answer to that, Mike. So, well, you know, but then, well, then you do it. You know, it's like, you know, like t- saying to me, you come up with an idea. I'm like, no, you guys are the education committee. You solve this problem. Right. You find ways to be accountable to that money. But they want to say, well, you know, if you want ability, first of all, you just want to cut. And secondly, well, you know, how are you going to take, take away local control? I said, I'm not trying to take away local control. I'm trying to say that if you're going to funnel money to them, maybe you need to attach a writer to that bill or something that says 70% back to that you know formula, 70 or 80% has to go to the classroom. Yep. And if you can't show us that, you're not going to get the money. And, you know, they're, well, we, you know, that's, I thought all you conservatives want local control. Yeah, I'd love to have it, but I'm not just going to funny, you know, uh, funnel money to local well, control and ag- when we know it's not being used wisely. And again, giving it to that local control and making them be on the hook for a larger. If we went just back to the st- to the national average of 48 percent being funded by the state, all of a sudden those districts would be on the hook locally for that additional 15 percent. They might start asking some hard questions as well. So I'm I'm with you on that. Um, all right. Well, they would my, have to, but yeah. they'll never let that happen here, Mike, because the unions know doggone good and well what that means. They'd have to show performance. Yeah. They know it. Well, the Tennessee, you might want to pull the Tennessee uh, BSA statutes and see if you can craft something on that and hand it to somebody in education and say, well, here you go. Here's what's working. All right. We're out of time. Mike, thanks so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Cheers. All right, folks. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with Frank Tomaszewski. And more on Monday, I am off on vacation. I know, weird, huh? President's Day. Yes. 
I'll be celebrating something in my sleep. We will see you next week or next. We'll see. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show